Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. I'm going to cover dominantly uh, Balak himself and the character that he is and what purpose he serves in this function. So if you have something specifically you want to ask that's not related to that, ask it now else I may not get to it. Go ahead. Uh, when reading, Peter reminded me that, you know, we see that in this case, the Lord said, well, if they're here to take you, go ahead with them, but don't talk about anything but what I tell you. And we have the same thing with uh, when he went out to spy out the, the promised land. He said, okay, go ahead. And then Peter himself, well, he was, had that dream about, and, that, and the sheet came down with all the food on it. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, not so, Lord, for nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. And I'm thinking, when we hear something from the Lord, we think, well, I better just do it without thinking about it. But no, right, you don't. Because sometimes he'll say, if you really want to, you go ahead and do it then, but it doesn't mean he wants you to do it. And I thought that was right. very interesting. It all goes back to Balaam saying, oh, yeah. He said, okay, if they wanted you to go, go ahead. And Balaam said, okay, great. Yeah, I'm counting, counting up on it already. That's true. Uh, you, have a, you have an excellent point. Uh, so um, I'm not sure if those of you who went through school and remember this or not, uh, it's just, just general education over your years of life or just life experiences. Some of us know certain things. You learn certain lessons along the way. Um, we, we can do the obvious you know, example, don't walk in front of a moving train, right? Or don't touch a hot stove. Well, if we know those lessons and have learned them, do you need to go retest it on them again? Do you say, oh, should, should, I, should I touch that? Does the stove still hot? Oh, yeah. Ouch, it still is. There's certain things you should already know that, hey, I've learned these lessons. I don't need to repeat the lessons again and again and again. But that's a, it, it's a good point. Um, when scenarios show up, it's just as much a trial on our end as God saying, okay, did you remember the previous lesson? Do you remember what you learned? Do you remember the burned hand part? Did that still hurt? Do you need to go through this again or not? It's, it's interesting. It's kind of comical, but that's true. You have, you have an excellent point there. We instinctively say, oh, God, whatever you say, I'll do. Well, yes, but that's the same principle as he pointed out to King David. Then you become the uncomprehending horse. You just pull the rein, the horse goes this way, or pull it goes that way. It doesn't come up with what it's doing. Why is it doing? Why does this exist? Um, those uncomprehending horses, God says, I don't want those. That's not what I made humans for. It's not what I made you for. We don't want you the uncomprehending horse, the, 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 the dumb beast. This does what's told. And as with the thinking, we're supposed to think and use our heads that God gave us. So Peter was right to question, God, this doesn't make sense to me. And nothing wrong with that. Uh, the spies, they were persistent in wanting to, to spy out the land, not just they themselves, but the people as well. Because they didn't trust God. And of course, this obvious scenario for Balaam is very similar. But it's an excellent point, Larry. Any comments or questions around this Torah portion? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you're talking about dumb beasts. In this right. story, the donkey was probably the smartest one in the room. <laughs> exactly. God make the dumb beast the smart one. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. That, that's that's they get the, 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 the pun, so to speak, built into this in this story, in this in, the, in, the, in this portion. It's quite funny. Um, one, one more. And of course, Donkey's a fast one. Yes, go ahead. 
So um, maybe I'm getting into your plan of, of, of your speech, but um, Balik, Balik, he, he, he makes him go to several mountains looking for a different result. You know? Correct. So, and maybe we do that too. We, 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 we unfortunately, that what are they, that expression about insanity is continually thinking that if you continue, if you do the same thing over again and again, second time or third time, the results will be different. It's different. But it's not. Right. It's, you know, and, and you think we would learn that. I mean, at some point, right? The, the water, you know, one time I was making some kind of sugar, um, melting sugar, you know, and I looked at it. It didn't look hot at all. <laughs> it wasn't boiling. I stuck my finger uh -oh. in it. Uh-oh. That was ah. extremely hot. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it kind of blistered. So yeah, yeah so we we think it's um going to be different this time. But you know, turn around and do it do it some, even a little bit differently, then maybe the results will come out better. <laughs> right, right. Subtle changes, right? Maybe that yeah, right, just, right. Still, the, the, when you don't change the big things, it doesn't work so well. Um, it's, it is an interesting discussion topic. So uh, regarding regarding this. Um, this Torah portion. So obviously we have the Haftorah as well as the uh, the New Testament writings are pretty explicit. It's pretty obvious that one of the prior weaknesses that Balaam has, of course, is the wages of unrighteousness, the way he, he desires the, the wages of, of, of this world, as opposed to what, what God has, has in store for him. The thing I want to talk about though, um, which traditionally speaking, Balaam is classified under the prophets of Gentiles, the Gentile prophet. That's what he's called, as opposed to a Jewish prophet or, or Moses, who's also a prophet of God, but Balaam is classified in the Gentiles. Mostly, I think, this is my personal opinion, because Judaism does not want to hold on to Balaam. I totally get that. <laughs> he's not a great guy. But they don't want to take claim that he's one of them, which he's not. Biologically, he's not. And, and, and ethically, he's not. And morally, he's not. But the only thing I want to point out, however, in spite of all that, Balaam does talk to God, and God talks to Balaam. We think, well, that's crazy. Why would God talk to an unrighteous man? He's, he's his evil thing. He's, he's not a good person. He's not nothing good in his heart kind of thing. Why would God speak to him? And this debate has been gone on for, for years. People have debated, okay, why? What's so special? Why, why would God talk to this man who clearly does not follow the Torah, does not follow God's instructions, does not appear to be any descendant or relation to Abraham at all, but maybe he was. It's hard to say his exact lineage. But uh, anyhow, so the debate with this, with this all is, and uh, so Judaism tends to just say, well, Balaam's part of the Gentile category over there, meaning that He's not the only prophet that God, or sorry, I should say, let me reword that. The God did not only send prophets to the people of Israel. That's their philosophy. Then, in fact, he sent prophets to many people of the whole world. Um, and some were listened to, some were decent, some weren't so decent, some were not listened to. Most like Israel was not, many of the prophets were not listened to that closely. Well, some were, but many were not. And so that's the theory that God has spent many, most likely, many Gentile prophets scattered about the different nations, different countries, whether from, from Asia to Africa to America, it makes a difference. So it's many of them out to talk to them. And instinctively, it kind of makes sense that God would not say, okay, I'm going to only focus on Abraham and his descendants. Everybody else, you're all on your own. You know, live and die. It's your own business. And I, I get where the philosophy comes from. We obviously don't have records of many of them, but 
there are some. There are some people who say, you know, so and so from whatever time period, whatever nation was a prophet, and that kind of thing, which is fine. But I had a question for you. So you don't have to answer this, but just think about it in your head. So Balaam, being a a God-like prophet, meaning he spoke to God. God spoke to him through dreams, but they still spoke to him. And so he spoke and gave real prophecies. Now, if he's one of the Gentile nations, that's fine. But when I go about my life, and I'm sure you do too at your different times in your lives as far as how you, how you live your life, um, there are scenarios that come up in your life. Uh, this situation, uh, two choices to make or many, many choices to make, things like that, but you go about much like Balaam was sort of cross these, these, these choices. So we have this, this man from Balak coming from his, with his descendants, or sorry, his, uh, his entourage. He didn't come, but it's his, his people came. So give Balaam a choice. Come and curse or not. Balaam got the answer, and he accepted the first answer. That was fine. That was good. How many of us don't accept the first answer? Usually, it's like, God, are you sure? Are you really, really sure? I, do you, did you really mean that I couldn't do that or that I should do this? Are you sure about that? We double check. That's pretty typical. I've done it. Wife's done it. Kids done it. Yeah, we do it, we do it all the time. This is normal, right? There's normal behavior, normal human behavior. It's nothing, nothing abnormal about it. So that's, that's common. So in Balaam's case, the fact that he asked God, well, I should say asked God, like he God approached him twice with the, with, the, with the entourage to come to Balaam. That's not necessarily crazy behavior. We do it. We do it all the time. People do it all the time. We simply put, we say like a confirming witness or confirming example. Nothing wrong with that. But Balaam got his answer the first time of an adamant no. Then his second time, the answer was go ahead and go. Now you have a problem. I got a problem. When you ask a question, there are two answers. Which one's right? Do I do, yeah, do I, exactly, do I use my will, what I like? Oh, well, I prefer answer number two versus answer number one. Therefore, I'm going to do it. That comes across us in our lives. I come across it, you come across it, I'm sure. We all have come across these issues. So we come to these situations, it comes about, um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, every time these situations come up, it's never how I imagine them to be. It's usually different to how I imagine it. I imagine it, God will test me on this topic or on that topic. It'll look just like this. we dot the correct I and the correct T and have it all worked out right. And it's never the way I imagined it to be. It's always something different than what I expected. But anyway, so I have the scenario. I have two separate answers. Both are conflicting. What is the correct answer? What do I do now versus what did Balaam do? You ever heard the, the concept or should we all run across the Torah portion? Uh, two witnesses and confirm it with the third in some instances. Uh, if you have two conflicting answers with the same question, same problem, you decide, well, how do I do with this? Which answer do I accept? Ask again. Double check it. You have two answers. One's right and one's got to be wrong. Which one is it? They're conflicting answers, not like they're, you can do it simultaneously. But of course, not interested in doing that because he has money on his mind. He's got a desire of his own will to, to, to battle. So typically, it's our job as Christians or as people, believers in, in God, say, hey, I've got an issue, a struggle. My job is to approach God and ask him, what do I do about this? Sometimes he gives us an obvious answer. 
for me, most time it's not so obvious, <laughs> but it does do obvious answers. It, it does answer sometimes that they're pretty obvious. We go to him prayer, which is no different than what Balaam had done. So Balaam did a few things that would make sense to us, which we would do. I would do, my wife would do, my kids would do. I'm sure many of you would do the same thing. Say, I have these two conflicting answers. I have this struggle to do with. What do I do? How do I handle this scenario? So he did approach God the first two times correctly. He just didn't like the first answer. Now, it's typically, as, as obviously the, 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 the uh, revelation points out, that he wanted the wages of money. He, was, he had a, p- a personal desire. So if I have the scenario, if, let's put myself in Balaam's shoes, I have a personal desire for one particular answer. I get two of them. Which one do I cling to? My personal desire. So how do I filter out my desire, my will, from God's? How to distinguish them? How to say, okay, well, this is, this is what I have, this is what I want, but what does God want? And honestly, for me personally, they're almost never the same. <laughs> Maybe not you, I'm not sure. But usually God wants something different than whatever I, I imagine, what I want. Not bad, it's just different. It's just not what I imagine it to be. So Balaam has this scenario. He obviously given two answers, but he chose the one he liked versus whatever God had originally told him or what God necessarily wanted. So we ask ourselves, so why did God give him two conflicting answers? Why did God just say no a second time? I mean, did, does God need Balaam to go bless Israel? Is that, that some, some, some requirement goes up? Okay, I, Ezra got so far out of Egypt, but in the promised land, up, stop. We have to have somebody important bless them. And Balaam, I need you, Balaam, to go bless these people. No, we're talking about God. That's absurd. God doesn't need anybody. So Balaam was an unnecessary character as far as this whole process. But I says, well, so why did God bring him in this part of the story? I mean, does, it, does, it, does it improve the story at all? Does it, does it make the people better? No, not really. It brings corruption, brings destruction, brings death. Yeah, does God like talking donkeys? That was, that was, that was the goal. He wanted to demonstrate what he could do with a dumb, with, 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 with a dumb animal. Uh, was that his objective? I don't think so. <laughs> so why did God bring Balaam into the story at all? It's an unnecessary part of the story. Now, I get the whole explaining where the, 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 the later on the Moabite or sorry, Midianite women to come in and seduce the Israelites. I get trying to explain where those come from. Uh, yeah, th- exactly. There's a put in the chats in the, in the chat box here. It says two choices. You have the choice of, of, of tree of life, which you acknowledge good and bad. Right. Cause you, in, in, in our actually, discussion that happened earlier this morning regarding this discussion of regarding good and bad. So if I have this scenario where I have these choices in front of me and I've given it, I, I, can, I can choose whichever one I want to choose. I can choose Balaam's first answer that, that he received, don't go. Or I could choose the, the second answer he received, go ahead and go. Well, this, this scenario happens to all of us. We all have choices, uh, whether I, what the choice is, but regardless of what it's about. Oh, Lorella, you had a question? Go ahead. Yes. Um, when I was raising my kids, when my parents were raising me, we had these kinds of things where we'd say, gee, can I, can I do whatever? And the parent would say, no. 
I really want to. Could I please, please, please? If you're willing to accept the consequences, go. Right. And that's basically what I see in this story. No, this mm -hmm. is not a good thing. But I really, really want to. Lord, I need some extra money. I don't know why, because you can give me everything, but, you know, I want it. <laughs> okay, if you're willing to accept the consequences, go ahead. Right. So, and that, that, that had come up as well earlier this morning. Uh, uh, my mother had actually brought the question, that, that comment up, that a child comes to mother or parent, uh, I'm going to go swimming outside. You can't, it's too cold. But I really want to go. You can't, it's too cold. But I really, really, really want to go. Okay, fine, go. See what happens. That, that principle, you get, you, the child comes back shivering, cold, and blue mouth, right? The same idea that, that you, you're persistent, you really want this, though I, I, as a parent, have told you it's not good for you, you want it anyway. So that, that's kind of the, 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 uh, the dilemma that all people run across, as I point out in the comment of the tree of good and the knowledge of good and bad. So Balaam knows, or he receives, because he should know, he knows God well, well enough to determine what is right and what is wrong. Now, granted, I do realize he is a prophet for hire. So if I imagine, this is my personal imagine, mind you, I mentioned earlier that what I imagine is never what God thinks, so it's always wrong. But I'm saying it anyway, uh, what I imagine that Ibn was probably hired on a regular basis in whatever nations or kings, whatever, probably hire him at different times in his life to do precisely this. And this is not, I don't think, a one-time event in his life. I think it's probably a common event in his life. So this is my imagination of what, it, what he's doing. And so he runs across the process of blessing and cursing probably on a regular basis, meaning a number of times in his life period, he probably has had to, had to bless, <laughs> no problem, problem, had to bless, uh, uh, bless or curse someone along the way. And I'm sure he most likely is paid for the service. On, on, that, that's a, like a normal behavior, normal paid behavior, as far as uh, what, what, he's, what he's experiencing. So there's nothing abnormal for this scenario. This is a, a situation that happens in his life. He probably happens however frequently, maybe a few dozen times, I don't know, that, hey, someone says, I ain't this person blessed or this people blessed or these people cursed. And if it's some nation or some people that's out in the middle of nowhere that no one cares about, maybe God says, sure, go ahead and do what you want to do. But in the case of Israel, he couldn't. So he knew the answer ahead of time. God already given the answer ahead of time. That people are not to be cursed, that they are to be blessed. So then we have to bring our question up. Let's throw ourselves in Balaam's shoes. I got my answer first time was no, that God said, these people will be blessed. I know, okay, I can't curse them. Second time, the person asked me a question, I already know God said, go with them, but these people will be blessed. I now know God's going to make me bless them. I know that my personal heart, my own personal head, my knowledge of this, but I'm not disclosing that to people who are about to pay me and, and travel me along to wherever I'm going. So now I'm going not only as a, to, to, to do something that God didn't want to begin with, but also I know I'm going to perform differently than what I'm being hired to do. Now I'm deceitful too. I'm now tricking or manipulating the scenario to gain what? What did he have? What did he, what did he think is what he gained out of it? Think Balak is like, oh, well, you bless somebody. Well, that's okay. Here's a bunch of money. Was it what he was after? Was that what Balaam thought he could do? Was that he was, that he was trying to figure out, well, how do I get Balak to bless you with all this cash? Somehow I'll figure out how to, how to make my, my blessings into a curse, sort of, kind of, sort of, maybe. I don't think so. 
I don't think that's what, God, what, what Balaam was thinking. I could be wrong. I don't think so. I'm more inclined to think Balaam was far more devious than that, far more intelligent than that, knowing that he was going to go ahead and bless people in whatever capacity God said to bless them. He would be blessing them. But I think Balaam was already conniving into his head. I'll bless them as I'm supposed to bless them. Whatever God wants, that's fine. But I'm going to try to outmaneuver this scenario. I'm going to try to destroy these people independent of the blessing. Hence the idea of the meeting night women and the seduction of the people and the offering food, or eating food to offer to idols. That, that scenario, I think, was going through Balaam's head already, the conniving situation, in order to get paid by Block in the end, after all. That's my personal opinion. Maybe he wasn't thinking that. I don't know. But I do know what the result was. The end result was that, that he did outmaneuver the blessings that God had him say. He did outmaneuver them. He did outthink them. He did outconnive them and get around the blessing part and result a curse anyway. So he did successfully do it. And it was his, as point out, this is his ideas. He, he connived it. He thought of it in head. How do I make these people get cursed even though I'm going to be blessing them? It's a very smart individual, actually. Very intelligent person. Not so very good person, but an intelligent one. Hence, one of the reasons why he is a, what we call a messianic figure. And I think, well, messianic figure, that sounds strange. Why would he, a, 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 a character who is like Messiah? How is he like Messiah? That, that makes no sense, right? Well, he's like Messiah in actually a number of ways. Um, we'll go through, I'm jumping through my notes here toward the end. I'll come back and do these dealing with here. So, Balaam Balaam has the authority to bless and curse out of his own mouth. And apparently it comes true. Now, I can't say it'll come true in every scenario. I don't really know, but it comes true on a regular basis where he gets paid for the job. So clearly it's true enough or frequently he's accurate enough. Um, So of all the people on the earth, I don't know anybody else whose own words coming out of their mouth will come true on a blessing or cursing. Now, I know this. There's people who've existed, you know, you know, Moses said a lot of things, and some things Moses said were right, and some were actually not quite that accurate. But even some of his stuff didn't come out quite the way he imagined. Remember the rock he had to hit? It didn't quite work out the way it was, he had planned. It, it, it backfired, so to speak. So, but there are a few people who can do that, and they're all messianic figures. Moses is, is kind of an example. Even Aaron, to some degree, is an example as well. Um, the, just the words your mouth can, can make profound impacts and alter because you have power of God behind you, alter human, human life and human, humanity and existence. We also have, of course, Messiah himself could do that. With the fig tree, he cursed. <laughs> he can curse things, was to curse them or bless them, was to bless them. And of course, he healed people, obviously, the process. The apostles, many of them, were also able to curse or bless. So this, this unique uh, uh, authority given to Balaam was rare. Not impossible, but rare. It was not common. So that's why he was because as a messianic figure, a character who is who is salvation like. He can save, or in this case, we use for bless. He can bless, or he can destroy. Or the other term, of course, is to curse. To bless, so bless or to curse or to save or destroy. They're, they're synonymous in 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 the prophets' uh, world. At the same time, Balaam also through his own words, of course, he says, "There's a guy with his eyes wide open. He sees 
God. He well, not directly, but he can he can he understands what God's thinking, and he can understand what God's uh, under. He understands how God thinks. He he, see, he says those words verbally. You could debate whether that's true or not. But in, in our Torah portion, we're supposed to con- conceive or or think that the words he's saying are re- reasonably true because the words that followed those statements were all true blessings. So he was actually acting as a true prophet when those three times when he was blessed the people. So we have a scenario that, that this man is able to be a Messiah-like character. Um, obviously, he, he was able to, to this is, sim- the other symbols that go with that, of course, you know, when Messiah enters the, the God's temple with a donkey and Balaam, of course, goes to God's people, which God's temple is around the people with a donkey. There's a few similarities to go along with it. And uh, Balaam, of course, has three blessings that were supposed to be three cursings. We have the scenario where three of death turns to life, life turns to death, the switching around, which is the messianic trigger that says, hey, there's a messianic prophecy going on. So we have the number three associated with life and death uh, uh, switching hands or switching positions. So we have enough characters, the, the examples indicate that, that, that he is a messianic figure. But even though he's supposed to be a messianic figure, he, he doesn't act like one. So, well, well, why doesn't he? Why doesn't he act like one? The others acted like one. Even Samson, with his weaknesses, he still acted like a messianic figure and that his death, he saved everybody. Uh, even the people who are of questionable moral or strength behavior, they acted better than he did in some of these instances. So, what, why does he, if he's a messianic figure, why does he not act like it? Now, even on top of that, if you, one more layer beyond messianic figure, he actually is also just like Messiah who was killed by the Israelites. Balaam was killed by these rights. <laughs> they actually both killed by the same people. <clears throat> so, in every scenario, he, he, he fills up a standing figure, but there's something missing in Balak. There's a weakness in him. There's a failure in him. And we, and we, could, we obviously reread it. We read about it. So, obviously, he has this, this, this desire for money, which I get that. And clearly, he has the complete ability to deceive because he had this whole, I'll bless you, bless them three times. And meanwhile, subversively, well, okay, now here's how we curse them and destroy them and teach and instruct others to do so as well, how, how to curse and destroy them in the process. So he was able to deceive or manipulate the scenario to what I presume he believed as his personal gain. I, I don't know if Block ever paid him for the instructions. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter. The point is that uh, he did. He did go through that process. So, in my world view, this is Daniel's opinion again. Now, when you have a messianic character that fulfills Messiah in so many ways, but at the same time has evil behavior mixed in, we have an anti-Messiah, we have an Antichrist showing up, a counterfeit, a, a an opposite example. We have an example of a scenario that of an individual who is acting like in some ways, but subversively going beneath in others, which of course, what Second Peter, our, our, one of our, our uh, Apostolic writings, readings today, discusses that type of topic. Uh, uh, John does too, I think uh, first, second, John, I can remember, this is the same topic as well, that there are individuals who come out from us that are not actually of us. They aren't actually teaching what we are telling them and we're telling you to teach. We're not, we're not actually following it. They look like, they're not actually like. 
They are, they are fictitious or fake teachers or false prophets or false examples. So this is a warning we have. So Balaam looks like a prophet, appears to be in many ways, but in reality, beneath him, there is nothing good in him. There is evil in him. Now we have a reason why Balaam exists. He's an example, not an example necessarily of Messiah per se, of what an anti-Messiah or Antichrist would look like and act like. You have the facade of being good and right and great, but the underhandedness of being Hasatan, the evil beneath, mixed together in a single individual. I'll be honest, all of us have a bit of that, don't we? We all have a bit of do the right things, do the right thing, and then eh, knock him off the side. I want what I want. Get out of my way. We all have the ability to, to be both a mixture of good and of evil. And we unfortunately meld them together quite frequently. Our own society, the, the, the prayers we have earlier today regarding children and such, that, that, that is a common, common theory. We have this, this, our whole world has a funky blend of evil and good intermingling together. Yes, Tammy, you have your hand up. I, I think Bilam is the one of many examples of what the Torah talks about. I think it's in the book of Ezekiel or one of the prophets where it talks about how it, one can be righteous their entire life, but at the end they turn away from God altogether, then they're going to die in unrighteousness. But a person that might have been Correct. unrighteous their entire life, at the end they repent and they turn to righteousness, then their end will be among the righteous. So Bilam right. very well could have been in his early years. We don't know how old he was at this time. We don't know if he's a young right. man or, we don't know or an old man at this point. I'm right. presuming he was probably somewhat of an older man that he had such renown. The, the picture but, shows him older, see? <laughs> <laughs> um, Go ahead. So I'm, you know, I'm presuming maybe in his early years he did have a heart for righteousness. And, but the, here in the end, when we're meeting him now at this point, his heart had turned away from righteousness and he's no longer righteous. And then we see soon enough that he suffers the consequences of that, that his word, his name is a byword. When you read like in second Peter and revelation, his word is a byword right, of right. evil. Yep. Example, an example of evil. So hold on. Lorian has a question. What's your question, dear? He was so bad. Oh, so Lorian asks if he was such a bad person, why would God talk to him? If, 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 if I'm living a reasonably righteous life and I'm walking with God, talking to God, doing the best I can, and then I say, God, screw you. I'm done. I'm going to do my own thing, play off, forget this whole life, this world you want to live. I'm going to do my own thing. Why would God still talk to me? Why would he still interact with me? Why would he say, okay, you're going to reject me? So be it. You're going to reject it. I will no longer dwell with you in this capacity. If I recall correctly, um, we discussed this, this Torah portion, not this, uh, uh, this year at least, a number of Torah portions ago when the Dabba and Bihu were killed. The God said, the closer you are to me, the more I'm going to require of you, the more scrutiny I look upon your life. You want to be close? That's fine. But with closeness comes a magnifying glass. It looks you every detail of everything you do. Right, and we all say, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> Don't look that close. So, so yeah, that, that goes up higher measurement. More, more requirements, more, 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 more rules, more minimum stipulations. 
So if Balaam was good at some point in his life, I'm not sure when, maybe Tim is right. Maybe he's younger. Maybe he just kind of gradually went into, you know, decrepit evil perceptions. Um, why didn't God say, I'm done with you, Balaam. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm not going to answer your blessings or curses anymore. I'm not going to, I'm just done with you. But God didn't want that. So I agree with Timmy that probably at some point, Balaam had to be good enough or, or communicate God well enough that God would talk to him. He had to be of some decent fundamental character that God's not going to say, I'm, I'm not going to deal with you because you're too awful, you're too evil. That can't be the case. If that was the case, God would never have spoken to him with. So somehow, at some point, Balaam had to be good enough, or use that term good enough, to where God would say, we'll have a conversation. We'll, we, we will go ahead and discuss whatever the scenario is in our life sometime earlier in his life. And, and hence, he got the ability to talk to and bless or curse or, or have some authority with him. But at some point in his life, maybe it was early, maybe it was late, I'm not sure, he deviated from that, but God didn't abandon him. That didn't, didn't say, okay, I'm done with you because you're being too awful. He's still stuck with him, which I'll be honest with you, to me, it's a little bit on the surprising side. But as you point out correctly, uh, 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 it was Ezekiel 18, discusses that particular topic regarding the nature of person saying, well, I'm going to be good my whole life. Then abandoning God at the end, God says, okay, all the good stuff just got erased. Like it never happened. And so the opposite is also the case is true as well, that you could be bad your whole life. At the very end, you'd be good. And God says, that's okay. The bad stuff never happened. So, so God is the one who decides what is true repentance or not. So he obviously makes that decision. In the case of, of, of Balaam, uh, he appears to be one who, is, who has a large chunks of godly communication, syllability with him, and attached with that, blended with corruption that comes with it. So I don't, I don't know when that happened. Maybe it was later in his life, early in life, I'm not sure. But at some point in time, it did happen because he obviously has this funny, funny blend. Then we ask, so what about myself, about yourselves, about your own lives? So I know, me personally, like all people do, we are a mixture of good and bad, of good choices and bad choices, of good behavior and bad behavior. We're a blend of all. There isn't any one of us that is all good or all bad. We're just a funky mix. Okay. So how do I avoid the bad for powering my good. How do we have a scenario to where, as I mentioned when we started out, two choices given to me. One I like, my flesh likes. One I don't like, I mean, my flesh does not like. How do I know which one's the right choice? Because, well, you just abandon your flesh. Well, no, because we have to eat food too. We, our flesh does require certain... So there's certain things we, we like just... We can't just completely abandon flesh and blood because we are flesh and blood. To or not, we're still we're still in the world, but not not necessarily of it. So we can't just abandon flesh completely. We have the scenario where, so we have Balaam, and he has this 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 part of him, part of him is evil, part of him is good, and it's blended together. Part of us, we have part of us that is evil, part of us that is good, and it's blended together. There, there's a, there's a blend here. So how do we overpower the part that's not so good, allowing the part that is good? to be strong, to maintain, to walk a better path.
Obviously, we have some examples of people who did that. Moses, obviously, is a great example. Messiah, obviously, really had bad parts, but the point is he's an excellent example. We have people who repented. David obviously repented in his life. Yes, he made some really bad decisions, mind you. Some of them are worse than I ever made. <laughs> I haven't murdered people. Yeah, <laughs> things I have never done, never intend to. Um, but yet God still said, yeah, there are some errors, some serious mortal errors you've made, uh, deadly ones, fatal ones. But uh, we're going to work past these scenarios. And I totally respect that God can help us work through anything. So Balaam has this issue that shows up, and we do too, that we have this ability to, 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 to make decisions. The choice as, as earlier as the, the tree of life, choosing good and choosing bad, to choose what we want to do versus what we should do. Uh, Larry, you had a question? Go ahead. Uh, Apostle Paul uh, 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 examined that when he said that uh, if I do, I do what I don't want to do. But if I, if I don't want to do it, I do it anyway. But it's a sin that dwells in me. It's not me. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a little. Well, we have tenuous. to overpower that. It's kind of like walking along the edge of the curb. But uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a teacher. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he's right because we he 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 is a teacher and an observer of people, so he's able to observe himself and others around him. See, this is a common problem we run across. So, philosophers do this all the time, and possible I wouldn't say call a philosopher per se, but in many ways he was, and that he discusses the human condition on a regular basis on these these weaknesses I have, and and my objective is over here. It's not where I, where I am. It's where I want to be. And this, how do I get there? He does discuss this as, as a philosophy comment. He, he is a very wise individual, has the same, the same questions that we have today, because humans haven't changed in all these thousands of years. We have the same problems we've always had. Uh, Anne, you, you had a comment as well? Um, yeah. Um, I love that verse that says um, his hand is still outstretched and, you know, and he's long suffering towards us. Uh, I think of Cain, you know, and how, well, you know, God talked to Cain. <laughs> You know, he the did. first murderer and that, and um, and as soon as crouching out the door, you he could have changed his mind. I mean, he decided he was going to. And uh, the thing with Balaam too. Now, didn't he do the thing later? I mean, it's not at this point that you hear that right. he um that he um uh, offered other instructions to Balak or to the people there about how to. Lord the people, Correct. Lord Israel away from God. So it took time. Yes. It so took it, time. So sometimes we get well, a word from right. the Lord. I mean, you know, it's like I'm thinking of something that happened in, in my life. That um, person, my, my, my first, well, my husband, he, he had a warning, you know, when the, when the child was born, he was told, he said that, he, he said, he heard a voice say, he, the baby won't live long. And then, you know, 15, 16, 17, 19, 19 years went by. <laughs> so I think he sort of laughed at the thought that he had been told this child won't live long. And then the child died at 19, which is quite a few years of, of, uh, cho of choices. Life. Choices, you right. know. And, yep. and, and uh, so it's... Uh, so sometimes we're given a lot of time. I mean, you know, it's like I was told to go to Aunt Angie and, and help her back in March of 2005. 
and I didn't do it until 2006, the following year, so it took a whole year for me to make up my mind and, and help her. But, but God was gracious, and it was okay, you know. I was able to get here and, and take care of things here. So it took time, so uh, time to repent is there, you know. Turn, turn it is. And, 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 and Sarah, you just pointed out, uh, I could be wrong, but I imagine that God knows who you are and how long it takes us to make decisions. Uh, if, if he needed someone to make an immediate decision, they usually emergency scenarios make that happen. A long decision, some of us make them quicker, some of them slower. I think God is probably aware of who we are and how we, how we reply, how we respond to things. So um, in, in, in these scenarios that we have, decisions to make, these life changing some cases decisions to make they all come to us and one of the things i want to bring up in this in this in this particular tour portion is its timing now you pointed out and that or you had asked sorry that uh the the manipulation or the the instruction balaam gave to balak on how to subvert and curse and destroy people actually happened apparently almost immediately following this event Maybe following the the, the 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 blessing process, uh, the the tail end, the short part of first chapter five is when Balaam's plot is is exposed, and they they implement it, and they go ahead and start having seducing women show up, and the eating uh, offerings to idols happening, and plague comes, and of course Phineas or Pinchas, he's the one who winds up subverting it, or or subverting, uh, ending the plague with his whole thrust through the the harlot, and uh, I think the leader of the, of, the, of the tribe of Simeon uh, kills them. So it happens essentially for us, our, 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 our Torah portion cycles are concerned, immediate. It, now, it could be reality, it could have been weeks later, we don't really know. The Bible doesn't discuss you know, timelines like that. It's because subject matters. And so in this case, it could have been, could have been a short period of time, but in our Torah portion, it's, it's immediately following that, this, this, that this, this subversive evil plot is implemented and done. Or, or, or happens to say not done. It, it kind of goes drags a little bit. So this is not a, not. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of time that lapses between God saying or putting Balaam's first cursings or sorry blessings, his blessings versus the cursing that follows with the whole instruction. I think it's a short period of time. Uh, so it's pretty pretty quick. So in this scenario, um, what I have a question for you. Don't answer, but to think about it for a minute. So the children of Israel have gone through essentially 40 years of wilderness of wandering about now not all of the people original people 40 years ago are dead yet but almost that there are probably a few stragglers still hanging around it hasn't quite the timeline hasn't quite finished yet and this story the scenario the balam shows up and does this whole subversive midnight seducing process taking place seems to or appears to finish off the last of those the, the, those individuals who, who were still hanging around from the previous uh, life, for, for the 40 years earlier, our next tour portion actually talks about that precisely. Oh, Larry, your hand is up. Go ahead. Well, it also shows actually how, how intimately he knew the Lord's requirements because he said, if you do this, the Lord will curse them for you. You don't have to curse them. Right. You don't exactly. need me to do this. He'll do it for you. Right. But I think that what you're saying about the, yep. the, the ones that were over, that had been there for 40 years, probably a little too old to go over and find a 
young chicky with exactly <laughs> exactly that's not that's the funny part they're probably in their 60s and 70s it's like uh it's not gonna yeah, it's not gonna work so well trying to find some some young girl to to, to have a little bit of fun with uh, but uh it, i don't know it's i wasn't there i don't want to imagine that necessarily so the point is that that uh it, so it did serve a purpose and it did wipe out the balance although i'm sure a lot of others died too in this process but why did the balance of the of, of the people that the old stragglers are still hanging around and as mentioned before those old stragglers we know for certain contained all males at least we don't notice that women were included in those in a 40 the, the 40 year um uh, a death sentence. We don't know how the women were, were treated or used this time, as far as how what their input was. But anyhow, so we have this gentleman, this Balaam, who's who brought this evil corruption. And my question being, why put the scenario up? So they're about to enter the land. They're about to get the promise that God said. Here's your promise. It's finally yours. As you finally get into it, it's and mind you, in Christianity, we rephrase the word promised land as eternal life. You know, they, are, they are synonymous to a New Testament believer. So promised land, eternal life are synonymous things. They're, they're essentially the same thing. Because promised land is, is the land of God. It's, it's, it's to dwell in God's land. Well, what's eternal life? To dwell in God's land. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? So they're, they're the synonymous for all practical purposes. So they're about to enter the promised land, or you could argue they're about to enter heaven, or God's world, God's life, God's existence. And then this evil corruption shows up. This fake Messiah-like person shows up and brings this evilness that winds up killing a whole bunch of people. They say, oh, sounds familiar. Right. That makes sense. What's our book of Revelation about? <laughs> right. What's the whole topic? The whole topic is, is, is the people are about to, you know, God's going to purify the balance of them in this, this evil Antichrist character shows up and, and seduces and in tricks. And Mark 13 says, well, even in some cases, if possible, uh, trick the elect, the, the, the few people that God has chosen individuals, says, you're, you're the ones I, I pur- purposefully want. So this, this evil Hasatan, evil one, is able to, to, to make a scenario to where they look like a Messiah, look like a deliverer, but in their heart and their core, they are not. And that character shows up in the scene. It's like, oh, that's why Balaam's story's here. It's to tell all of us in the future, hey, just before we get to enter our promised land, God's going to do something, he's going to release an individual is going to show up who has evil intentions in his mind. <laughs> An antichrist. That's the whole point. It's like, that makes sense. Because otherwise, it seems like a strange, bizarre, okay, this guy, Gentile, needs to come bless the people. Well, that seems odd because all the stuff he rattles off, God already said to Abraham back in Genesis 22. He already said this stuff. So I'm just regurgitates what God said to Abraham. Is that what he's doing? Which he is. He's just regurgitating a lot of Abraham's promises. When Abraham's offering Isaac, or about to offer Isaac, the angel gives him some specific statements or three promises that Balaam winds up reiterating here in his, 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 his prophecies. So he does do this connection. There's a, there's a tie-in to Abraham in, in that capacity. So we have this scenario that there's this person who's Messiah-like, but not quite. And he's, 
he's appears to be you know good but he's not and he's supposed to do one thing and he does on the on the surface it appears he blessed on the surface it all looked like this great wonderful blessing but in reality he's thinking i am saying these words while i know how to destroy you and i'm about to do it next <laughs> clearly that that, that 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 is a deceitful individual or a good politician anyway so it's a deceitful individual so the person who, who's designed to manipulate make you look and see one thing see this picture in front of me while while behind the scene back here you can't see what's going on that i'm going to destroy you and you don't know it yet so that's the kind of anti-messiah we'd want as second peter pointed out actually I think St. John's is the same thing. In Revelation, we read also said similar that there was in the Torah portion of chapter two, or the, the Apostolic Writings chapter two of uh, Revelations. So the same thing is, it's the inside that's screwed up. It's the inside that's messed up. That's how we identify an individual. That's how we identify this individual is going to show up, that the outside looks fine, looks okay, there's anything obvious. He, he knows God. He knows the right words to say. He has the right, uh, uh, the right incantations, the right offerings to do. He, he knows how it all works. He, he does it just the way it's supposed to be done. Okay, well, it looks like Messiah, right? But his insight isn't. His core is not. His subversiveness is the whole point of the adversary, isn't it? When we think of the adversary, we think of someone who is the master of all lies. Well, the very, very best lies are the ones that are, in, are encased and covered in truth. They use truth parts and pieces and build it together to where it's so believable, you just fall for it. That's the best of all lies. Well, best meaning most, most effective. I didn't say best, I think good about a lie, but the point is, it's, it's the most effective of all lies. The ones that appear legitimately true and honorable and, and, and righteous. It's the best lie there is. I mean, the most effective lie there is. So we have the scenario of Balaam. He shows up and he has these great you know, words to say, which are all true words, all true prophecies. They're all real. He didn't lie about those. So he has lots of truth built in. But inside of him, the core, his goal is to subvert and destroy underneath when no one notices. Hence, we have an anti-Messiah. So yeah, he's a messianic figure in many ways. But dominantly, he's an anti-messianic figure. Is what he does. So now we have this, in my worldview, a better explanation when it comes to the angel that shows up. This, this character right here. This angel, oh, a big background drop, drop background. This shows up and says, your ways are perverse before me. You're, the route you're going is presumptuous. It's, it's, you're accelerating to go forward swiftly to cause destruction. So I'm here to kill you, to stop this. Unless, of course, the donkey winds up showing up and saves your sorry rear end <laughs> and talks to you and says, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep you alive these three times, which note, missing a character three times, should have died. I'll keep you alive and you didn't die. Right, so that's the idea. So they, they have this 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 example. So now we have, at least in my worldview, a better explanation as to why Balaam's character is even in our Torah portion, because dominantly, it's an unnecessary character, 
unnecessary scenario. Yeah, it's kind of cool talking donkey, but it's not really important to, to, to the instructions. There's nothing in there that says, oh, you should do this and not do that type of like rules or, or way of life. But in some ways, it does point out one thing to us. The inside core of a person is the fundamental component of the person in spite of the outside appearance. We can put facades on, but we're still the same. So Balaam could put a facade on, but he's still the same. Hasatan can put a facade on. He's still the same. Yeah, he has a big wardrobe. So he has lots of facades <laughs> and many different languages. Lots of facades on. Our modern day society that preys on children. They have a great facade they put on. Yeah, a whitewashed tomb. Blom is a whitewashed tomb. Yeah, it looks just beautiful. Our, our, the way which we picture and put in front of kids' world of view. Look how great uh, our utopia we can have. The rainbows and unicorns, all great. Yeah, literally rainbows. Uh, it's all wonderful. Don't we love each other? Yeah, it's a great facade. What's the core? Complete destruction to tear out the inner being of the individual and make them no longer a person that God wanted. A person where God said, this is an individual which I want as a chosen elect individual. The, the prayer I put up earlier, exactly about that. And actually, even today at services here in, in Casper, earlier this morning, the same prayer was put up, which is kind of funny. It was, it was almost the exact same prayer, word for word, regarding our children and what like technology and what society is doing to them. Because they see it here too, it's, it's all the whole country, probably the whole world. But it's the, it's the facade that's designed to look, that's to look like it's, it's good and great and wonderful. But in reality, the core is subversive, destructive, and deadly. And that's what we have Hasatan is, our example of Balaam is, which then brings to Daniel Age's opinion, again, <laughs> regarding the topic of how I think, which is my opinion, that Hasatan or Satan uses our society and our whitewashed facades to do precisely this, to destroy, to ruin, to take down, to tear down. He's using that as a tool of his own. Well, why doesn't God stop him? He's not supposed to stop him yet. That's later. So we have these scenarios which we have that they're, they're interesting. So, um, and this is the case for Balaam. I started out this topic earlier. We our first when we first began was what about myself? What about me? I have the same problems. We all do. We have the same evil corruptions built inside of us. We know good. And we know bad. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. How do I keep the wrong from subverting the good? There are choices. There's decisions to make. There's a gentleman earlier today was discussing this topic, which I thought was, he put it far more eloquently than I can because he lived it. Um, so I'm going to just paraphrase. And I apologize for, 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 for him for, I, not, I can't say it the way he did it. He's a, he's a, a younger man, but he's been through a lot of, a lot of uh, poor choices in his life and, and other issues. They pointed out that uh, he goes through his life 
and there are bumps in the road. Problems show up. Scenarios are come. Now, in every scenario, he's, he's spent some time discussing this and thinking about this. He had, he had to uh, deal with and rectify some mistakes he made in his life. He spent some time to think about this, that every time he, he sat down and thought about it, every bump of the road, every inner evil desire in the road that shows up, every scenario, there's always a situation which he could have gone around it. He could have. He looked back, I could have avoided it by just doing what was right. I could have avoided it by just avoiding what I know was wrong. And each scenario he went through, he, he didn't verbally say each one of them, he was trying to be you know, wise when he, when he discloses. But he pointed out that there are many times, and many people there in the congregation here knew, know his history, and I don't, that really matters. But it, he went through scenarios, and he said that, but he never chose those go-around points. He always said, there's a bump the road, hit the gas and hit it hard. This course, he's using a metaphor. And it would stop his car, stop his life car, the car of his life, stop it. He'd get out of his car and kick the tire and curse the bump and yell how awful all this would be in there. And he'd get back in his car of life and continue on to the next bump the road. Instead, he observed this of his life and how he lived his life that instead of going around the bumps, he said, my instinct is to hit them hard, just to hit the gas pedal and I want to just do this. And of course, he hits his bump of the road so hard, he has to stop his car of life, get out of the car again, kick the tire and curse the bump. And the bump could have been people, could be Decisions in life, scenarios you run across, uh, choices, good and evil choices that come up in life. This is where the bump is. But looking back at his life, all those bumps, all those bumps I slammed into, I look back and say, yeah, I didn't have to hit them. At the time which they saw, I saw them, I was thinking, I knew I could avoid this. But I didn't. He knew he could have avoided them. He saw it, but he made the conscious decision because Moses says, I'm putting before you life and death. You choose. As Moses, the, 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 the drawing multiple times, before you choose life and choose, I would, I would that you choose life, but there's always two choices. Every scenario, there's always two choices. doesn't matter what the scenario is. Some choices might be better or harder than others, but there's always two choices. There's some that choose more than that, but there's at least two. Choosing life is what Moses asked for. We recommend this we do. Balaam did not choose life. He had this bump the road, in the case was an angel, about to slice him up. I'm not sure what it would look like. I would want to know <laughs> being cut by an angel. But either way, he wanted to survive. But instead of avoiding the bump by turning around and going back where you came from, could have. Or not have that heart to begin with not have the desire of evil intent behind your fake whitewashed blessings you're going to give. Could have avoided any one of them, but chose not to. He might hit them hard and curse and yell and destroy and be angry at the fact that he didn't get what he wanted. So this scenario, so this gentleman who, who was discussing this and bringing this up in today's Torah portion, so but now looking back at his life, he has a number of children and he's, 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 I don't know how old he is, maybe early 40s, I'm not sure. 
But uh, his life said all those bumps in the road that I could have avoided. Some were individuals that I thought they were the bad person. I was a good person. And I, I can't stand how this person is something bad to me and it's all their fault. So I looked back and said, well, that wasn't true. But I realized that in fact, it's not that it's all their fault. It's not that they're a bad person. I'm the good one. Even if they do make an error over there, I'm in the scenario, in the situation because of the bump on the road that I wanted to hit. I could have walked around it, could have avoided it, could have drove around it, could have gone the direction. But I chose to hit that bump and now I run across this individual who has this against me and I've got these problems to deal with all because I hit the bump hard as opposed to avoiding it. So Balaam hits his bump really hard. It costs him his life. I hit bumps too. I'm sure all of you do as well. But the bump of our society is a struggling one. There are many whitewashed tombs in our world, our nature, our life. They're just like Balaam because they're anti-Messiah. Not necessarily the Antichrist per se, but their nature is against Christ, is against the inner core inside of us being strong. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. So we're going to end this pretty quick, but um, there's a few details I want to just rattle off that back in uh was it second peter we're discussing this topic and we were uh most of it it it, it stopped in verse i think it was 16 or so uh yeah there it is so this regards the the, the balaam speaking or sorry it was this this regarding the balaam's scenario the son of of far as what he had done who loved as it verse this is a verse uh 15 of second peter verse 15 is they uh, they say the right way, because we follow after the way of Balaam, Zabior, who led the wages of unrighteousness. So, what does that mean, by the way? See, if I, if I have this scenario where there is evil mixed within me as well as good, what are the wages of that evil, that bad, that part of me likes? As, 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 as Larry had pointed out with, with Paul Saval, whether I have both good and bad, I would that I would choose good, but the things I don't want to do, I wind up doing, and I got first with myself in that scenario, which Paul Saval was, was pointing out. So what is it about the bad choice? What is it about Balaam's choice of the evil that made him want to do it? What is it about the bump of the road that makes you want to hit it hard as opposed to go around it? Is it Rebellion? Is it pleasure? Is it uh, uh, some personal, you know, satisfaction of some form? What makes that evil rear its head to overpower our good? So we, we know we have it. It's in us. Balaam has it. Hasatan has it in, in spades. We have it too. And all the people around us have it. What makes it so strong and why it's so dangerous? The point is out that they love the wage of unrighteousness, whatever those wages are. Verse 16. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speak with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. 
We'll pause there for a minute. The madness of the prophet. So Balaam, he had this subversive plan to destroy and curse and cause destruction, right? It, it, on, in, in, in underneath or behind the, 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 the fake blessings he was going to be giving. But note how he was beating his animal for not you know, doing what he wanted to, do, to be done. Then he was striking and beating it up, just intending to, if he could have, he had a sword, he would have killed the thing for not doing what he wanted. Balaam's desire appears to have blinded him. He was blind with his own intent at causing destruction to the of Israel. So blinded, hence he didn't see his, his desire for destruction, a desire to, to, to accomplish or hit that bump hard. He wanted to hit it so hard, he couldn't see the angel in front of him. And that anger, the intense emotion of his own desires, welled up so much so to beat an animal, just destroy it to death. Yet it was saving his life. So we have this, 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 intense, this intensity within our evilness, our negativity, our badness, we have, what do you call it? We all run across that can blind us so thoroughly, so completely. They don't recognize the obvious good within us. We don't, we don't realize what it is. We're so, we're so absur- uh, obsessed with the blindness as Balaam was obsessed with blindness. In verse 17, these, from the people who are like this, are wells without water. Clouds carried by a tempest to whom the gloom of darkness is reserved. So forever or is reserved. So, if I allow this evil corruption that's within inside me to strengthen and grow big and blind what is good, what's my outcome? Rose, you have a comment? Uh, yes. Uh, it reminds me of the Indian proverb of the two uh, beasts that live within us or two dogs or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only one that survives is the one you feed the most. Right. <laughs> that's true. Uh, there, there's a number of different, that's, this is why I uh, had mentioned when I first started uh, this, this whole portion, that Balaam is amongst the, what they call, prophets of the Gentiles, which means individuals given to the Gentiles to understand or talk or communicate with God, not to Israel. There are many cultures many religions, many different peoples, groups who have truth in their religion or not, don't be wrong, I'm not saying that we should all follow their religion, but they have elements of what is right and wrong mixed in with whatever religious or historical background they have. You just put an excellent example, the one you feed the most. Whatever is the strongest, the one you keep allowing to continue on to grow. 
Um, I, I, Chinese does the yin-yang thing combo, which is a little bit more complex than that. But the idea that you have a, a, a mixture of, of good and bad inside something. Now, granted, I'm not the Chinese philosophy and I, I don't know the religion well enough. I'm not that type of an expert, but uh, and I wouldn't want to be. But the, the idea is that you have this, the say which you have this combination that's within inside a person. And Rose is correct. The, the, the citation is correct. The one you feed the most. Or Moses points out, the one which you choose, or Paul Paul points out, uh, the one which you which you, you, you which you pursue, versus the one which you suppress. That is, you you keep the evil one suppressed within inside you, and allow the good to grow. Um, have, I'm not sure how many of you have done this. I'm sure you all have at some point in your life ever planted a garden. Lots and lots of plants. Lots, I love gardens. Planted lots of gardens. How well the weeds grow versus the vegetables you plant. Weeds grow really really well. <laughs> In the littlest bit of soil, they grow really, really well. So it doesn't take much for the evil to grow very, very well and very quickly. It's only a little bit to get that to survive. Yet what is good takes a whole lot of water, pruning and weeding and everything else you got going on. Watch out for the bugs that just keep it alive, much less uh, actually it thriving. So that, that same principle applies at all in all scenarios. So I've got, as Ezekiel 18 pointed out, which we didn't discuss today, but the team had brought it up, that you have these choices. When you make choices, they matter, and they're long-term choices. They can erase your past, which means suppress that which is evil, or erase the past, which means get rid of that which was good, and become the new whatever it happens to be. So in Balaam's case, just like in my case, as in your case, somebody else's case, well, I can't say it was Hasatan. I think he's kind of a fixed character. But uh, the rest of humans who are not fixed characters, <laughs> we can make decisions and make, can make choices. Uh, we have to make those decisions. Okay, if I'm going to try to nurture the good part of me to where it's not a whitewash, it's not a, a fake thing, it's actually the real thing behind me. How do I do that in such a way that the evil is suppressed and, 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 and brought down low under submission? Well, it's but that was an excellent point. Feed it. <laughs> Feed what is good. Okay, well, as far as the Torah is concerned, what is feeding what is good? What, what does that look like? What is that? Well, you, 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 you as Micah had said, our half Torah portion, uh, <laughs> you have, uh, uh, where is it? I wrote it down here. Oh, right. There. A kindness, justice, walk humbly with your God. Of the word, as Rose points out, that's true. You're feeding on what did God give us to eat? I'm offering to manna. <laughs> what did He give us to eat? The words He wrote down, the instructions He gave us. There's lots of them in here. That's what He gave us to eat. As Messiah pointed out, which was a quotation from the Torah. A man not live on bread alone, but we're the mouth, see the piece of the mouth of God. That's how we nurture and get that good, wise choice, wise part of us to rise itself up. So back to where I started out with again, you had two conflicting answers that Balaam received. Once what he desired, and once we did not desire. Now we know our God pretty well. He desires blessings. He doesn't desire cursing in general. That's just an overall theme we know about him. So in Balaam's scenario, 
oh, would God like it if I cursed them? Does he want me to curse people? Obey them, do God, just like we, we know God. Or does God prefer blessing of people? And you obey them, does God, just like we do. So if and we're in scenario, a Balaam scenario, well, Balaam would have known quite thoroughly, I know what's good and what's right, and what's, what's wrong. Cursing, God, he already said, I'm not going to curse. Balaam could have easily told the people, the blocks men, I will not curse. I'm only going to bless them. They would have been more than sufficient to say, thank you, we no longer need your services. Stay home. They didn't. Because he liked what was evil. He wanted to feed that was evil to overpower that which was good. We all have that same problem. That which our flesh desires, set aside what is good. What does God ask for of us? Does that make sense? So a little bit earlier than I then planned, um, I won't go through the stumbling block scenario that we discussed earlier as far as the relationship talks about. I was going to talk a little bit about stumbling blocks today. But uh, I didn't quite get that far. Uh, any comments or questions regarding this Torah portion we covered or what we discussed today? Anything you want to add to or alter? Because this is a free, we're all, we're all followers of God in some way or another. We all are our own uh, uh, lives to, 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 to guide and instruct our children to live, to live with. Anyone can share with you or do you want to share with me? Yep. One comment. Right Alex, now. go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to give a little, little more to the donkey. I, I don't know. I, can't quite get that full connection. I mean, I don't want to go Jungian on you there, but uh, I mean, he was obedient to him all his life, and he could see uh, the angel. Uh, right. So I don't know if that's completely a a, a, a part of the lock or a separate being. I don't know how that really goes. Well, as far as part of the story, obviously it is. But as far as the donkey itself being able to see a spirit where Balak could not, or Balam could not, um, to me, I, I don't have an answer for that necessarily. The way I've looked at it in years past, and I still look at it as the same way now, but I can't say I'm correct, which is what, how I looked at it, is that uh, the donkey, oh, it's usually a male donkey, not a female donkey, but the donkey in general, actually it's always male donkey, has, has always been in the past, um, that's the only animal that when it's first born, you whack its neck. If you don't redeem it, you have to kill it. The other, other, other species of animal, you, you, you just you pay or, or, they, or they live or whatever they're offering. But the donkey, you don't have to kill it. And the donkey is classified as a beast of burden, obviously, which we already know all that stuff. But it's also the only animal which Messiah was supposed to ride on as he enters in or as he's coming. You're, behold, your, your king comes you on, on the, the donkey's the cult of donkey that was said, how the phrase is, is written. So the donkey, generally speaking, is, is the one who's carrying, and as far as is obviously, I know it's a male donkey typically, but still, is carrying uh, the one who's being is carrying the carrying the Messiah, carrying the, the one who's being offered. Now at the same time, the Messiah was supposed to be the firstborn of God, the first biological son of first he because he, you know, obviously she was he was born, born. So firstborn of God. The same scenario shows up with the donkey and uh and Isaac, with Abraham and Isaac, because Isaac was Abraham's firstborn. Not like technically Isaac Abraham had Ishmael too, but this is through 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 Sarah. This is firstborn son. So both donkeys, both in Isaac's case and in Messiah's case, are carrying the firstborn, and both are supposed to be offered, meaning symbolically, because Isaac is being carried in order to be offered. 
up on, on a mountain, Mount Moriah, or wherever it's at. I'm not sure where the Mount Moriah technically is. People debate that. But up to be offered. Messiah is being carried into Jerusalem, which, not at that moment in time, but later on, will be offered as well, the same principle. So we have these two scenarios with both those are tied together as far as a donkey carrying both uh, firstborn messianic figures in order to be offered. I know Isaac obviously was spared. We know that much, but the symbolic piece was killed. So in this case, Balaam is being carried not by a male donkey, but by a female donkey, but the same principle. So he's being carried along to, 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 to Canaan and the Moab's territory, and this angel's there to kill him. So essentially, the donkey is carrying Balaam to his symbolic, he terms loosely symbolic, his symbolic offering. I mean, Balaam is about to be killed. <laughs> this donkey's carrying along. Okay, I'm bringing him over to the angel who has a sword in his hand to whop his head off. So I'm, I'm carrying uh, a messianic figure. So donkey's function in each of the scenarios appears to be the one which carries or brings that offering. In this case, the, the offering for, you, know, you could argue that the, the firstborn offering, offering for the salvation of, the, of, of mankind, those that bring them to their death. All right, that's donkey's doing. So this dumb animal, these are the, these are the dumb does it can't speak, supposed to bring this this offering to to die. That, 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 that's their function, to bring, bring, bring them to die. This is, so this is carrying the offering of, of whatever's being carried. In this case, it was, was three individual men, all of which, of course, would theoretically die if the scenario had finished out to its full story. Obviously, Messiah did, but he was resurrected. So they would have normally been killed. So donkey appears to be the one who carries that which is going to be offered to die, meaning symbolically speaking. So that being the case, the donkey being able to speak and try and intervene or be, intervene on behalf of the person who he's carrying, in this case, Balaam, trying to save the one who's supposed to die. That kind of makes sense? So the donkey has this beast of burden. The burden he's carrying, what do you think? Of, oh, well, donkeys carry, you know, you know, packs and they carry weight of things. They carry goods and the grain and whatever. And they carry people around. Yeah, that's true. But in symbolic terms, far as a tourist concerned, the donkey appears to be more uh, important than just a beast of burden. Appears to be one who actually carries the important thing to its death. Does that kind of make sense? So the donkey is supposed to carry the important thing to its death. The donkey tries to intervene. The donkey, just like a human being, has to be redeemed from the firstborn. It appears there may be some kind of a connection between the firstborn and a donkey in general. But somehow donkeys and firstborns are tied, or symbolically they are they are, they are they are similar in their nature or function. Now, some of you have children. Some of you some of you did, some didn't at different ages and such. Well, if you've noticed, and I I noticed, the firstborn child, male or female, tends to pave the way. <laughs> I tend to, 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 to the parents seem to screw up the most on them as far as that didn't work. Bummer. Let's try something else. Right? Let's try this other scenario. And the second children kind of benefit from the first one, you know, paving the way, so to speak. So the firstborn has a certain amount of responsibility, which is probably one of the reasons why the Torah gives firstborn adult portion of inheritance, firstborn males. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the laws of emotion pour upon them too. So a lot of issues happen with firstborns. So I tend to believe that the donkey and the firstborn being apparently connected in some way, the donkey is trying to, in this case for Balaam, to save Balaam's life. As in, let's in other words, a firstborn representative of an animal, the donkey, the firstborn's representative of is trying to save 
Balaam's life. The Balaam deserved death. Well, that kind of makes sense symbolically speaking because isn't Messiah a firstborn? He dies to save those who are supposed to die, right? So, a Messiah, donkey, uh, the, the, the one that speaks to Balaam as well as uh, Isaac and the donkey that carries Isaac, they all seem to be connected with someone who's supposed to die and try to save or it's the person who either survives or a miracle happens undoes the death or something along those lines to intervene on behalf of someone else in the case of isaac the angel of course intervenes on his behalf in the case of messiah he intervenes on our behalf in the case of balaam's donkey donkey intervenes on balaam's behalf they're all intervening there's some intervention going on to stop a scenario that would have resulted in an ultimate complete death so the donkeys are attached to that so God used the donkey in this case. It appears, in my opinion, of course, that he's, he's trying to connect or make a symbolic connection to both Isaac and to Messiah in that scenario. Does that kind of make sense? Hopefully it does. Yes, and we got one more question. Uh, Go ahead. I, I totally get the double portion now to the firstborn. Because we made all the mistakes on the first one. And if you yep. think about it, all the mistakes and sins were laid upon Christ. Right. The first so, part. Yep. And he's got his double portion. Yep. He has, you yep. know, he not only has sitting at the right hand of God, but all of us are, are given to him. So I yep. totally That's get that. I, I, it's, yep. it's awesome. It's like a revelation. <laughs> in a matter of speaking, we are his inheritance. I mean, we, we, we are his payment. So, firstborn gets double inheritance, while Messiah's inheritance is all of us or his. So, that we are his payment. We, it was kind of cool. Yeah. 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 As Lorianne points out, so being a firstborn, that's something to be jealous of. It's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a symbol on purpose, which is kind of cool. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel